What's going on, people? It's your boy, Kalechi, back with another episode of the Rambling Mind Podcast. How are each and every single one of y'all doing today? I hope y'all are staying safe. I hope y'all are taking care of yourselves. I hope y'all are doing all the things you know you ought to do during these times. Today, I have a special, special episode for y'all. As you guys know, we've been doing an interview series on the podcast, talking to really interesting people to learn about their story and to learn from insights that they can share with us of some of the things that they have learned. That way, we don't have to make the same mistakes. Like my dad always used to tell me, it's better to learn from other people's mistakes than to make your own mistakes. So that's what I'm trying to share on the podcast to make sure that we can get insights from other people's mistakes and their journey and how far they've gone in life and all the things that they've learned so that we don't fall into the same pit holes, but we can avoid them as we go through life. And today, my guest will be talking to us about his journey of recovering his credit after many financial mistakes and even a case of identity theft. That's something that we're, I'm definitely interested in learning a little bit more about. He is the author of My Journey from Bad to Excellent Credit, where he detailed his journey with money. He is also the host of a weekly column called Confession from Quarantine. Please join me, and I hope everybody is giving an applause right now. I really need to get this applause effect going in the background, but I hope everyone is clapping their hands right now. Please join me in welcoming Al Jones to the Rambling Mind podcast. Thank you for joining us today, Al Jones. Thank you so much. Kalechi, thank you, thank you, thank you all the way from the 602 here in Phoenix, Arizona. It is great being a guest on your show. Thank you. Yes, awesome. It's so good to have you on here. And there's so many things and there's uh, so many things that I would just like to pull from you. But uh, before we get into anything, start talking about anything, I'd like to ask for you to share a little bit about yourself that maybe we couldn't be able to find from just Googling about you. And I'm, I'm on quite a bit. So I'll, <laughs> I'll go from the top. I'll go from the top. So if by chance you didn't hear who I was from the, from the top, I'm Al Jones, a personal finance author and game developer. I'm a current resident and native of Phoenix, Arizona, after years of making poor financial decisions and thinking it was the norm, I decided to take action, make a change in my life and document the process along the way. I'm here with a perfect 850 FICO score and ready to share my story with your listeners. Let's roll. Awesome. Awesome. So first of all, that perfect 850 credit score i don't think i've ever met anybody that had a perfect 850 credit score how, now, you how have. Even, now you have now i have that's true i think every day you learn something new and you meet new people so now i have how has that been how how exactly have you gone from being horrible or not i won't say horrible but making all the financial mistakes that you made in the past to get into a position now where companies literally basically open the doors to you and say hey here's some money here just have money and do whatever it is that you want because they know that you are somebody that they can loan money to so how was that journey be and how did you get started and then what brought you to the point of being like okay i need to handle this situation i'll say in junior high seventh eighth grade i really started noticing that something was wrong back then this is back in the late 70s or so what was happening was at being home and being home alone a lot uh, my mother was working multiple jobs she was gone my sister was gone kind of doing her thing brother was out riding bicycles mom and dad had divorced years prior so you know i was the one to take care of the house 
So what was happening was multiple bill collectors would call the house late at night. Back then, it was brutal. They would call on the phone. Now, this is Mr. Smith. I need to talk to your mama, and she needs to pay the money now. And just oh. beat you down. So as a little kid, I would get upset, you know, try not to cry too much, yeah. and had wondered, why are they why are they saying so all these mean things to my mom? You know, what's going on with this? And then a little later I discovered that it was some of the decisions that she made. They would call to ban payment. So I decided to try to work with them. And they would call, ask for information, and I would take detailed notes. This was before anting, you know, the digital anting machines. And so I had a little notepad. And I would take copious notes for my mother from all the bill collectors that would call during that time. So mom would get home later on that night. And I would say, mom, Mr. Smith called, you owe X amount, he wants X amount paid, you know, a certain date and whatnot. So she would say, well, you know, I can't pay this. I'd say, all right, okay, can, how much can you pay? When can you pay? And it's granted, I'm junior high, yeah. young teenage boy trying to negotiate settlements with mom. <laughs> so I get the information from mom, I jot it down, and then she's off of work. The next day, you know, Mr. Smith and all the others would call. And I said, hi, Mr. Smith, this is Al Jones. And I did relay your message to my, Karen, I'm a little kid, you know, negotiating settlements. Yeah, you know, Mr. Smith, you know, I, I did speak with my mother. She did understand, she does understand what you were talking about, and she can pay X amount on this day. Is this okay? And first of all, you know, I'm talking to some little kid, little kid. Then after a while, they realize, okay, he's a responsible young boy. He's taking the information down, relaying it to his mom, and the little boy trying to trying to hold things down. Yeah. You know, at the at the house. Yeah. So they started negotiating settlements. Like, okay, well, tell your mom that it's okay for her to pay, you know, fifty, you know, instead of a hundred, kind of thing. Uh, and she can pay on this date, and you make sure you tell her, yes, sir, yes, sir, I will tell her, okay? All right, click. And after a while, things started to settle down, yeah. and payments were being made. Mom was you know, relaying information back and forth, and you know things were, were going good for the most part. Oddly enough, despite experiencing that, I thought that that was how life was supposed to be. You know, you kind of watch good times and you're thinking, okay, everybody's supposed to be in this struggle and things are supposed to be hard times all the time. Fell into the same trap. Got credit cards, you know, when you're applying for college and whatnot and taking friends out for pizza and lunch and whatnot, just blowing money. And it occurred to me, well, okay, I got to pay this stuff back. So I <laughs> fell into the same trap. Bill collectors were calling and had multiple issues with identity theft, multiple divorces. And fast forward a little later, it just kind of hit me. I said, you know what? Huh, this is getting old. This is getting real weak. And I had read multiple books, listened to multiple CDs, watched multiple DVD sets. And in that, after reading about a chapter in length, and most of the books that were out there, and even still today, are hundreds of pages and the CD sets, you know, six CD sets, six DVD sets, and typically after about a chapter in length, I said, you know, this is insane. I'm, I'm not going to read all this. So I decided to, to document the process 
of my journey from having bad to getting towards excellent credit. I didn't want others to fall into the same trap, so I wanted to leave some sort of breadcrumbs yeah. for those that are in the same rabbit hole that I was going through to kind of help them out. So the first book that I wrote was more technical, click this link, go to this website, blah, blah, blah. The challenge was after it was printed and published, a lot of the websites went down, the phone numbers that were no longer in use. So kind of shot me down so I decided to move forward and write a more narrative book a little more storyline with the workbook element of my journey from bad to excellent credit so did that and shortly after the printing a couple of years later after the printing of the current book my journey from bad to excellent credit I was able to achieve the 850 FICO so here I am nice now that's a, one fact just going back, do you think that some of the skills that you picked up when you were answering the phone call for your mom and kind of going being like the middleman to answer, hey, this is what my mom says she can pay. Sorry, can't, not going to be able to meet that number. Do you think some of those skills helped you further down the line that you maybe didn't even notice until like, yo, I dealt with these kind of people before because of what I've had to handle. So I know exactly like y'all ain't going to bother me if I just yeah, tell go you. Like, me. Just, yeah, yeah go like they're me. not going to do all of this stuff. So do you think some of those things have even helped you to where you are now in other areas of your life? Hands down, hands down. The first thing it did, it helped me to hone my telephone voice. <laughs> so to lock that down and talk with him. You try to, you know, deepen the voice and, and be an, an active listener. As a game developer, what I had to do was in talking with the programmers, I had to be able to listen to others and gather information to help you know, build the actual app. So also in the IT world, you've got to be an active listener in order to develop something for somebody else. So that has really helped out a lot. But the big thing is the ability to listen, act, be an active listener, as a phone voice, and not be afraid to own up to the problems that you may have generated yourself. Own up to it. Yeah, I did it. All right, let's roll with it. Yeah, I think that's a I think usually that's like usually when the change, the, the turning point happens is when we look our issues, whatever it may be in the face and say, you know what, I made a mistake here. Now it's time for me to face this issue and deal with it, whatever it may be. And that right. usually tends to start to turn things around for us. Agreed. Agreed. Yeah. So I, just moving on from there, just you mentioned earlier and you spoke about just the identity theft issue. So I want to kind of dive into that a little bit more. What exactly happened when uh, was it your identity got stolen? How It sounds like it happened multiple times. So what multiple exactly times. happened with that? One of the issues that came to mind at one point after I got out of the, out of the military, uh, last duty station was at Fort Hood, Texas. <laughs> I got out of the Fort Hood, Texas, lived in Austin, Texas for a few years, eventually moved back here to Phoenix. And while here in Phoenix, years later, I get I think a letter or something from AT&T. And what had happened was somebody in the Austin area opened up a mobile phone account, cell phone account with my name. I get a letter from AT&T and they said, you know, you owe, you know, I think it's like, five, $600 for an account that I had. It's like, wait a minute, 
I haven't lived in Austin for X amount of years. <laughs> and it showed a date that I was supposedly had lived in Austin at that time. So I was living in an apartment complex and the apartment complex apartment complex was sold to you know another company and made into a condo. So with all the old paperwork, you would think after the sale, they would dump it. So what I had to do is I had to prove to AT&T that I lived in Phoenix, the time in question, in Phoenix during that period. So I had to go back to the old building where I lived and ask the new owners, do you by chance, I know it's been a couple of years since you guys bought the building, do you by chance have any old paperwork from some of the old renters in your building? What are the chances of them keeping old records. Oddly enough, they said, all right, Al, you know, let's, you know, give us a couple of weeks. All right, all right, I'll deal with AT&T in the meantime. So they dug through um, some old storage rooms that they had in the building. And to my surprise, in some cardboard box, they had one of the lease agreements during the time, the time in question from AT&T. They faxed it to me. I forwarded to AT&T and said, boom, here you go. I was in Phoenix during the time in question. You know, I didn't say, you know, get off my back. <laughs> but you <laughs> wanted to. You wanted right, to be like, right, right, yeah, right, don't right. call this number like, anymore. <laughs> lose my number. Lose my number. So I get sent that to AT&T. And I'll say about four weeks or so later, even after sending it to them, then they finally decided, okay, well, I guess you were telling the truth. And they cleared it. So I had to call the police department in Austin and create a claim with the police department and forward that as far as the package to uh, AT&T showing that I was serious enough to file an identity theft police report with mm -hmm. the Austin police department. Yeah. It was, it was crazy. Yeah, that's... I thank God I've never gone through that experience. I've talked to a couple of people who've been through something like that. So my question is, what are some lessons that you learned from that? And some of the tips that you can share with us of just like how we can make sure, especially now we're in a completely digital age. We see it all the time on the news, like this place gets hacked, that place gets hacked. So what's some things that we can do on a regular basis just to make sure that we're covering all our or we're dotting our t's and or dotting our i's and crossing <laughs> our t's and just making sure that we're covering our bases to make sure stuff something like that does not happen to anybody that may be listening to the show right now some of the things that a few of the things that i would advise is a change your password at least you know once a month and have a pass really change it up at least eight characters something that includes an uppercase letter uh, you know, some lowercase letters, a number, and a special character like the pound symbol. Mm -hmm. Do that on a regular basis. Also, do not, I repeat, do not use your debit card online. If you're going to buy some stuff online, use your credit card. If you use a debit card online, that is a direct connection to your checking account. Talked with somebody a couple of years back to use their debit card to purchase some, something online. Somebody hacked in, got into her checking account and it was not a pretty story. So that's one of the things. Use your credit card, you got a credit card, even if it's a secure credit card, use your credit card only online. 
Consider even leaving your debit card at home and only use it if you need to go to the ATM and pull cash back, cash out. Okay, so use your if you got a credit card, use that as much as possible. The other thing I would advise people to do is purchase a shredder. You've got some the lower end shredders that you just attach that to a, a, a trash can and it shreds uh, one direction. Get one that shreds it into confetti, whether it's tiny little dots or whatever. Shred that and when you trash it, <laughs> don't collect all the shredded paper and then put it in a sealed plastic bag. I mean, it defeats the whole purpose. So when you bag it, empty it loosely so the paper is all over the place. So I know that's not you know, the greatest thing for those that collect the trash, but hey, it's, it's all over the place. So that's, that's another good thing. The other thing is once you've ordered your credit reports and scores from each of the three separate Notice how I say separate. Each of the three separate credit bureaus, Equifax.com, Experian.com, and TransUnion.com. Once you've ordered those credit reports and scores from each of the three separate credit bureaus, cleaned up all your stuff, cleared up all the delinquencies, I would highly recommend getting what they call a credit freeze on your account. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's pretty much it. I mean, I could talk more about that, but in summary, that's what I would highly recommend. Some of the other, here I go. <laughs> some of the other services that, that you might might see with some other companies and whatnot, I would not recommend those. Go directly to the source, Equifax, Experian, TransUnion, direct, and check out some of their the services that they offer. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. I mean, I learned about credit freezes a couple of years back and I literally do that all the time. I just put a freeze on every single, and it doesn't even take, especially now, it doesn't take that long. It takes right. maybe five minutes to do it right. across all three of those uh, bureaus and then boom, you're done. Like the only time you have to unfreeze is if you need to apply for like a car loan That's or correct. a new credit card or anything like correct. that. But it basically like, every time you get an inquiry on your account, it automatically like shuts it off until right. you unfreeze right. it. So. Yeah, I definitely agree with that point of just like, yo, guys, take care of like, just be careful of and just one of the things, especially, I mean, we're all super online right now, like every single one of us online, just be careful of the websites that you're going to. There's all kinds of people out here trying to steal your information, trying to get all kinds of data from you. So just be careful, pay attention, like on if you're using a browser, there's that lock icon next to the when you're typing in your stuff so watch for that and then you i even i would even say like if you're going to use your card because i i just use like a service like paypal where they have to go through another level of security to make okay. sure before you can like um before you have to pay for something so like you can go through where you, if, if you're using your debit card or credit card you go through paypal you go through any of these third uh not third party but like these primary services where they have to go through both per paypal then visa before they can get to your money or anything like that so and it's also like i love i've just recently found out about a service where they literally the iphone actually does this where it can issue out one-time use credit cards where like it would okay. generate random uh, numbers wow. to be used which is really good and i love that and i need like we need more of that service to be available on more cards so that way whenever we're online we're not using our actual card number but we're using one that basically is going to delete after we use it that one time so that's wow. just a couple of things that um do they, do they mail it to you that's new to me no no, no. it's uh so it will generate it on number? your phone for you to be okay. able to make purchases online 
So oh, that's sweet. Yeah, that's yeah. Sweet. So you never have to worry about like, oh, I gave this thing and I forgot that I put my credit card information on this or my debit card information. It automatically like it can't be used after that one time. So wow. whoever gets it is just like, okay, well, it's deleted anyway. So okay. it's a pretty pretty cool service. But yeah, guys, please take care of your information and just like make sure you're taking care of yourselves as well. But um, one of the things I wanted to talk about, just ask you about is as you've gone through this journey of understanding personal finance, getting your credit score back in line, taking control of your financial situations, what role has emotions played in you being able to get yourself out of some of the holes that you were in prior, prior to where you are now? I had to go through periods of loneliness, sadness, that, okay, will I ever get out of this hole? And that, those are some anxiety yeah. or some of the emotions that come to mind. And once you're able to finally get through that, know that you don't want to go back again. And if there's some way that you know, I was able to throw a lifeline to, to someone in a similar situation, I'm always willing to to help them out. So those are some of the emotions that I had to deal with. Anxiety and fear and sadness really come to mind. Yeah. So and I know like, especially when you're like starting and you're like, whoa, this is a big number that I got to figure out how to dig myself out of. So how were you able or what got you? I know you spoke, you talked about a little bit earlier when you talked about I was going out in college, buying all this stuff, but what got you to finally just like sit down and go this is a problem. I need to handle this. Was it like one moment or was it like a multiple things happening all at the same time? But what got you to that place where you were finally like, I need to handle this right now? It was a multiple of life experiences. And after sleeping on the floor, I was in a one room studio, you know, and sleeping on the floor, eating chili, eating spaghetti and, you know, a basket of, of chicken to survive. One day I'm just on the floor and it's like, you know what? This is just insane. Why? I don't have to to live like this. And you just gotta tune all the drama out of your life and just focus. You just gotta focus because Al, you just can't do this. This is stupid. This yeah. is just stupid. So it was just, just one day around 2000, eh, about 2004, 2005 or so. I, I just, it just hit me and I was hungry sleeping on the floor it's like uh, okay all right i can do this so just roll from there yeah and some something about being hungry changes everything uh, yeah. like all right we, we need to we need to settle back down and start thinking about life a little differently because right. the stomach needs some food and some energy to get to do what i need to do but uh, moving on from there, what, uh, we talked about it a little bit ago. You mentioned it, that you're a game developer. So I just wanted to ask you, what has that process been like of becoming a game developer, uh, talking with uh, production people and talking with just going through the idea of creating a game? And then can you tell us some of the games that you have created and on what platforms they're on? Okay, so I created a game called Lyrics Guru. And Lyrics Guru is a song lyrics trivia game where you try to match the correct word found within the lyrics of the song. For example, in the app, which is available on Google Play, as well as the App Store, what you do is you download the app and you're given a category, rock and roll, you know, 
for example, and then you're giving a song title, Blue Suede Shoes, an old Elvis song, and then we'll give you a list of four words, cat, dog, run, say step, for example, and in the app, you have eight seconds to guess which one of the four words is found within the lyrics of the song. So you're not hearing an audio track, so it's strictly lyrics. So if you guess the word step, don't step on my blue suede shoes, then you get that correct. And in, in the app, you try to get eight uh, correct in a category, and then you try to get eight categories completed, then you're the lyrics guru. Going back, it all started when it's 1970s or so. My father had a wide music collection back then, Barcade, Elton John, Funkadelic, you know, Parliament, whatnot. So being at home alone a lot, I would go through the LPs. I'm really dating myself with that. I would go through, <laughs> through the LPs and just kind of read the stories and the lyrics. I said, man, that's kind of cool. And back in the 70s, most of the stories, the songs were about some sort of story of some sort. So fast forward, I decided as an adult, decided to go ahead and create an app to share my love of music, words, and lyrics with the masses. So I had the concept in, in hand. I wrote the game flow, wrote the flow charting, you know, what should one do if one clicks the screen and so on. Use Visio, use PowerPoint for the process. Then it was a matter of hiring back-end coders to do the coding for me sent out requests for proposals to companies across the globe, found a company in India that did some good work, and they did the back-end coding for me. From there, once we got that in place, we initially created an Android version of the app, and fast forward, we created an Apple, and that was a real challenge, but we were able to knock it out. So created an Apple version of it, then, years later, I was at, at an event where it was for those with disabilities. And I was talking about the, the app, Google Play, and the App Store. And then someone tapped me on the shoulder and said, Al, when are you going to create some stuff for those with disabilities? I thought, wow, you know, here's that opportunity, you know, the aha moment, clouds rolled back and whatnot. So I was like, oh, wow, okay. And I knew we had to, because of the trademark, requirements we had to create a playing card version so my team created a playing card version for those with um, visual challenges those that are colorblind so the playing card version you'll see on our website lyricsguru.mobi you'll see a playing card version and the playing card version it has what they call color barrier free colors so if you're colorblind you can see the colors more easily yeah. So we created a playing card version for those that are for colorblind, and we later discovered that uh, the same playing cards could be used with senior citizens in cognitive rehabilitation uh, therapy. Wow. So cool. if they need to remember something, listening or reading um, song titles, you know, Blue Sway Chew, for example, that'll give them a flashback. Oh, I was doing. XYZ during that time I first heard it. So that helped them out with that. Fast forward, we got a an invitation to attend a casting call for Shark Tank. 
So a lot of people want to hear about that. Yep. So got a, that <laughs> so was going to be my follow-up. Right, right. So I got an invitation for casting call on Shark Tank. I'm in Phoenix. It was in Palm Springs. So I brought the game wheel. And the big game wheel, it kind of has a, a Wheel of Fortune-esque look to it. A big giant wheel. You spin it and it lands on a category. You know, rock and roll, for example. And all the other stuff is pretty much the same. Give them the song title and word song is four words and if you get it correct you get the paddle so this kind of has a um a wheel of fortune element to it so brought the wheel to palm springs and i'm standing in line and if you've ever watched the show shark tank if you've ever watched youtube you may have seen an episode where meta world peace can't recall what the new name is now ron artest so ron artest and his team with the product butter cloth and it's a men's line of soft you know high-end shirts they were immediately in front of me so they eventually got a deal on shark tank i didn't get my deal with uh, shark tank so ron and i took some pics and whatnot so had a great time there so what happened in the shark tank thing as you're standing in line as we were standing in line they call you up and say okay five minutes before you give your pitch so I'm standing in line. Then just before we go in, about five minutes or so, they said, all right, everybody, you have to ask for money for, you know, to the sharks, you know, when you're kind of doing your pitch. And I didn't pitch directly to the shark. I pitched to the, the casting call team. If they accept you, then you move to the, the shark. shark yeah. right? So I, I didn't need money, you know, for mine. Uh, so what I had wanted to do was to pitch a license, a brand licensing deal to Kevin O'Leary, Mr. Wonderful. And with my brand licensing deal, got the registered trademark in the US and abroad as well. And I had wanted to pitch a licensing deal where they would license the Lyrics Guru brand for the creation of a Lyrics Guru game show to rival Beat Shazam. Beat Shazam, they, what they do is just they play song tracks and kind of play on play on that. Mine, lyrics only. Okay, song lyrics, words, so you don't have to worry about um, any licensing stuff with that. Yeah. So it was, I thought it was a sweet deal, but they wanted money. So I had to quickly scramble. And initially I was gonna say, okay, I'm gonna go in and I'm gonna pitch that I need $5,000. Okay, Al, really? You're gonna go in and pitch to some millionaires and billionaires that you need five Gs? That's stupid. <laughs> so, so then I thought, all right, how about fifty thousand? Uh, no, you can second do a second mortgage on your on your crib for fifty G's. So I scratch that, then bumped it up to five hundred thousand and used it, you know, for marketing. They didn't like that idea. They didn't like the licensing deal. They wanted you to ask the shark for money. So, needless to say, I didn't get a deal. But Meta and the Buttercloth team, they got their deal. So, hey, here I am. All a learning experience, all part yep, of the yep, journey. Yep, yep. So uh, before we close out of here, the last question that I have for you, you were in the army, uh, the army, not the army, the army. And uh, I just wanted to know, what was your favorite place that you got stationed while you were in the army? I w- favorite place was Korea. You know, granted, I did do my officer basic course in Huntsville, Alabama, which is called the Red Rock. Uh, Huntsville, yep. Alabama, the officer basic course in, in that area. That was a nice met some nice looking <laughs> nice looking women there so that was that was a nice place but korea was a nice tour especially when i moved up further close to the dmz and camp casey korea uh 
that was nice. You know, I got a chance to get on the train and go to Seoul, but so to answer your question is Korea, Camp Casey, and being in the Seoul, uh, Korea area. That's cool. That's cool. Well, thank you so much for joining us today, Al. I appreciate you coming on here. I know a lot. I know I learned a lot from uh, from your story and understanding just what you've been through of getting going from just getting phone calls from all these collectors and having to help your mom through that journey and then picking up things from there and using them in your own personal life to go from being having so many financial mistakes to now being 850 credit score which is something that i never even thought was possible but now i've met somebody who's actually hit that goal so that's something that we all know it's possible to get to so i just want to say thank you again for coming on the show i appreciate all the time that you've given me today and guys um before we get out of here al can you uh share with us where we can reach out to you and learn a little bit more from you you can find me and actually in a couple of hours you can find me on facebook doing the show that that you talked about it's confessions from the quarantine and on confession from the quarantine is on facebook live if you want to send a friend request to me check me out at facebook.com slash alton a l t o n dot j dot jones and you can even check out the show even if you're not a friend it's going to be on my personal facebook page later on it'll be on youtube and instagram youtube uh, and again instagram twitter and facebook the twitter and instagram handle is confess the sin so you can find me there also you can find me if you want more information about the book you can find me on amazon the name of the book is my journey from bad to excellent credit it's in paperback paperback kindle and audiobook as well the handle for the publishing company light eyes media is light l-i-g-h-t eyes e-y-e-s media m-e-d-i-a if you want more information about the book about the app lyrics guru it's at www.lyricsguru.mobi Thank you so much. Uh, I'll put a link to all of this down in the show notes. So if anybody wants to go check any of this stuff out, they can go check it out. And thank you so much again for your time. I appreciate you. I hope everybody learned something from the podcast today. But that's all that we have for today. I hope uh, if you enjoyed this podcast, please share it with one person that you love, one person that you hate, and one person that you're just kind of like, meh about. And by that <laughs> point, you'd have shared it with every single person that you know. But thank you all once again. Thank you for listening. Remember, generosity is always greater than greed. God bless each and every single one of y'all, and we're out. Peace.